Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to episode 161 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop, and I'm here with my co-host, Yami Plotke, of the Penultimate Woodshop. And tonight, we'll be talking to Wilbur Pan. You may know him from such things as his giant Cypress blog, various WIA speaking engagements, or using Western saw backwards. Perhaps there might be photo evidence of that event. Anyway, uh, how's everybody doing? (laughs) <laughs> and there is. <laughs> yeah. Good evening. Uh, good evening. Yeah. So, uh, everyone doing well? Yeah, yeah, things are good. 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 Well, let's let's yeah. dig in. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm distracted. I was looking for the backwards photo, and uh, <laughs> when I typed Wilbur into my Google Photos, it came up with a picture of him dovetailing, but not sewing backwards. Mm. Oh. I, I will say, Wilbur, did you know that if you change one letter in your name, you're a uh, singer? Yes, yes, I actually do know that. <laughs> okay, um, there so, was more results for him than you. Oh yeah, <laughs> trying to trying to change your spelling because I know how to spell your name, but yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there, there's actually two aspects um, uh, uh, to that. So there, there's a guy named Wilbur Pan, and his uh, Chinese name is Pan Weibo, which is which is pretty much exactly the same as my Chinese name, except that the middle character, he is written a little bit differently than the middle character of my name. It's, but it's a, it's a really small, small difference. And he used to, um, uh, anglicize his name as Wilbur Pan, the way that I spell it, W I L B U R P A N. Um, and, uh, and, and he, uh, started his, um, uh, he, he began to be get, uh, to get famous just about the same time as I got involved with uh, woodworking and then started haunting internet forums and then starting the blog. Um, <laughs> and uh, and just for grins on Facebook, I friended him or a person that's like a really big fan that posts a lot about uh, about him. And then I started doing things like uh, he would post a photo like had a great time at the uh, at the club last night uh, uh glad to see all my friends and i would immediately post underneath that wait i didn't re- don't remember being at the club last night <laughs> and then and then over time uh he changed the spelling of his name to w-i-l-b-e-r and <laughs> I, I have a feeling that i might have been part of that reason uh but i figure i had my name first because he's a lot younger than me so there you go you win <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the other thing is that, um, like one little pet peeve of mine is that oftentimes I uh, introduce myself to someone and they spell my name W-I-L-B-E-R. And, uh, and and I've met not that many Wilbers over my life, but no one has ever spelled it with an E-R at the end, only a U-R. And mm. so and, and so now this uh, so so now uh, this guy um uh, apparently, might be the uh, first really famous Wilbur to spell it with an er at the, <laughs> at the end. My, yeah. my, my, my sister uh, teaches um, uh, Chinese at uh, the high school that she works at, um, and I remember uh, uh, several years back she called me up and told me that her um, uh, that, that her students were really really excited that her brother was Wilbur Pan, thinking, <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was the other guy. Yeah. Uh, Did you so, go in and sing for them? Uh, no, I did not because oh. um, I want them to like her class. That's why. 
Oh, too funny. Yeah. So, Diami, um, I know you're recording on shelving. What else do you have going on in your shop? Uh, well, nothing but the shelving. Um, but the, which which takes up ninety eight percent of your shop. So it, I get it, it. It does. It does. It's actually ninety eight point four. But I have uh, been working a lot on the shelving since we last recorded. And the shelving are the four horizontal shelves for the ongoing entertainment center build. And if anyone remembers back to when I first assembled these shelves back in probably October of last year, they are what I'm terming quarter sawn timber strands. So I took two by sixes of timber strand, ripped them into one and a half by one and a half inch by 12 foot squares, rotated them glued them all back together in these big slabs, one of which is about 14 inches and the other three are about 16 inches wide. Um, because I wanted the that edge grain effect on the surface of the four of them. So that's why I went through that whole process. In an effort to not take four years to glue them all up, because each one... Um, I have to do math now. Each one is a ton of glue-ups... It's about 12 pieces for the big slabs all glued together into this one wide slab. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I laid the bottom one on the bench. I ran glue across it. I put the next one on. I put a couple brads in it. I put glue on it. I put the next one on. I put a couple brads in it. I built them up successively. And the very top piece of the entire assembly, that one I only glued with no nails because that one I knew I was going to route. Um and then I, I'd clamp them together, and I'd leave it that way for an hour or two, let the glue kind of set, put that to the side, do my next one. So by cheating and using the nails, I was able to get all four of them glued up in an afternoon instead of multiple glue-ups because I wanted to keep them all relatively flat because they're just too long to run through the, the, the planer without serious help. Um, and the 20-inch wide ones are too wide for my planer. So... Um, yeah, so that's why there's nails in them. Mm-hmm. I was careful, I thought, to center the nails on the inch and a half width of the planks, and I did the nails sparingly. Um, and yet, I managed to break three domino cutter heads while routing out or mortising out for my dominoes. And that's why you were doing that. I, I saw that you were posting these, like, RIP five millimeter, you know, bit, yeah. you know, dies again. And I was like, how are these things that fragile that they can't take repeated use? Like, well, but it, you were, you were hitting brand nails. Exactly. I've had my dot. I'm using the, for these, I'm using five millimeter dominoes. I'm using the small ones because the shelves are only an inch and a half thick. And I did not go through the effort of building two different setup jigs to position the domino so that the dominoes coming in from the top and the bottom would be offset relative to each other. So my dominoes on the top and bottom are in exactly the same spot. So I wanted the domino to be a little less than half the depth of the shelf. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why I'm going with a relatively small domino. If I was going with a bigger domino, I think the nail would still probably disagree with it, but I I don't know. Um, This is the first time I've ever hit nails with my domino. Mm. And I've had the well, same. I, know, I mean, those, those bits and those dominoes are zigging and zagging back and forth rapidly. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and spinning. So I, I'm sure that's havoc and if it hits anything. Now, like having that. broken a number of them, I can tell you that only the very tip is carbide. 
And oh, yeah. Every yeah. time it broke, the carbide tip would snap off. So admittedly, the, the adhesion between the carbide and the steel is not designed to go through nails. So I can't really fault them. But that is clearly the weak point of the assembly. Um, but I've had the Domino for years now. I've never replaced the cutter heads. So I've done tons and tons of 5 millimeter dominoes. Yeah. N- never even a noticeable difference in the cutting efficiency, efficiency based on it just dulling. Um, so at some point, I can't really complain. Um, but, you know, the stupid things are about 45 bucks a piece. And they're only sold at actual woodworking tool stores. Mm-hmm. And the stores, at least around here, tended to stock one or maybe two. So mm-hmm. over the weekend on Saturday, I broke one in the morning. I ran to a store and bought the one they had, came home, used it, broke it in the evening. It was too late to do anything. Sunday morning, I was up at – or excuse me. That would have been Friday, I guess. Friday afternoon, Friday night because it was, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So it was Black Friday. I went and bought a domino cutter head. Um, <laughs> then Saturday morning, I was up – at the store at seven o'clock when they opened, I bought one different. This is a different store. I bought one of the two they had in stock, came home, used it, broke it, left again, went back to that store, bought the second one they had, went to the third store, the only third store I know on Long Island that stocks the silly things, and bought the one they had in stock and ordered one on Amazon that was going to arrive on Monday. <laughs> um, then I went home and I was able to finish it on that. So I canceled my Amazon order. And I have one in the car unopened that I need to go return. Um, so I was able to get through with only having to buy three. You know, at the end of the day, only buying three of them. Um, though I did learn in sharing all this, I was talking with Brian McCauley. And he he mentioned that when he broke some, he went to CMT and got new cutter heads from CMT. And CMT makes nice bits and blades. So I, I've not used their CMT cutters, but I saw that they were available. I presume they're going to cut just as well as the stock Festool ones, and they're about half the price. Um, now, then I would have had to order with Amazon. This was a case where I was literally stopped until I could get a new one, so I was immediately getting the car and driving out. So the CMT ones wouldn't necessarily have helped me, but I will definitely try out the CMT ones next time I need a new cutter head because um, it seems like a reputable brand, and for, mm-hmm. to pay $24 for one instead of $45 for one, uh, I'm game. But they'll be orange, right? Yeah. <laughs> they'll Some be spinning so fast though you won't be able to tell yeah the, um the, the cmt cutter uh cutter has uh, uh do you have any idea if they're um made the same way where it's like carbide attached to a shaft that's not carbide or i presume that that's how it's made they they mentioned that they're solid carbide i i'm assuming that's just the tip um i don't know that for a fact but it would seem to be prohibitively expensive to machine the entire thing out of solid carbide um so I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I, I presume it's just the tip. At the end of the day, okay. no matter which brand it is, it's probably a bad idea to hit a nail with it. Yeah. Yes. No matter so, I mean, what what size you know, brads do you have in there? Are they 16 um, gauge, 18 gauge? The the small straight ones. 18? 18 gauge Eight, brads. 18. Okay. So hmm. um, yeah. I, I I missed something. Uh, I, I, I saw your adventures with the uh <laughs> with the cutters on 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 Twitter, but um uh were you uh, the Brad nails? That was because you were gluing four boards all to each other. Uh, yeah, it's because I was gluing up to like twelve boards to each other. Oh, okay. Um, so there were the little, there were these long sticks. Really, they were twelve foot long, an inch and a half by an inch and a half. Mm-hmm. So I would stack 
one, the first one on the second one, put a bunch of nails in it, stack the third one on, put a bunch of nails in it, stack the fourth one on, and just consistently stack them so that when I glued them, they stayed aligned. Mm-hmm. So that, Did you consider um, just putting all of them into a set of clamps and using calls to uh, across the width of them to keep them aligned? I did, but they're so big that I would have had to make made more calls. And I have – if I'd made one or two more quick calls, I would have had enough calls to clamp one of them up. But mm-hmm. I wanted to do all four of them in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't have the space because I, I glued them up essentially stacked vertically. Um, and with the calls, I guess I could have done that and then put the calls on afterwards. But I find it's easier to clamp horizontally when you're using calls. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the space to lay all four of them out horizontally and support them properly with the call. So I, I had thought about it, but it, I think in hindsight, yes, that would have been a better plan. Uh, but at the time, <laughs> it seemed like it was a lot more work to do calls. And for for what it's worth, when I milled them together, I wasn't thinking I was dominoing them. I thought I was going to cut rabbits – uh, yeah, I guess the rabbit in them and, and embed the – um, the vertical pieces in a rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as the project has dragged on and on, I've tried to pick up some efficiency where I could. So it was, it was a lot faster to do it with dominoes than make all these rabbits and put a long tenon on the, on the edge of the, uh, of the vertical pieces. But that rabbit would have only ended up being like uh three, seven inch deep. And that would have left a lot more meat in the middle than the domino did. And I still might've hit a nail. I don't really know, mm-hmm. but the, that was the plan when I was assembling them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. If, if if you weren't aware, Tiami makes end grain timber strand out of cutting timber strand up and flipping them sideways. <laughs> That's how you make end grain anything, isn't it? I, yes. <laughs> I I'm amazed that timber strand has enough orientation that you can talk about like end grain and quarters quarters. It, that... I think it's a figure of speech more than I know. <laughs> <laughs> anything. Yeah. Anyway, so that's um. That's better. That's better than me. I don't know if you saw what I was posting, but I'm um, I'm doing power tool wood installing. Say <laughs> again. I I'm not working wood as much as I'm cutting it to put it someplace. Which I guess it anyway. Pre-finished wood flooring isn't. I'm not woodworking. Ah, that. okay. That's what you were trying you know. to say. Yeah. yeah, but I'm using all my power tools, which I never use for that purpose alone. Which, okay. You know, works out. So I get my miter saw out. I I got my jigsaw out. I got my uh, my toe nailer out, which is a very very cool one purpose. I can't imagine another use for it kind of tool. Do you actually have a flooring nailer? I actually bought one on Sunday. Wow! <laughs> you didn't rent uh, one? Well, this is the prospect of of what it is. So here it is. You know, three days later, and I'm just past the halfway line in the room. Really? So. Well, it's because I get two and a half hours at a time, maybe. Oh. And so day one, I, I bought it. I bought that nailer Sunday late afternoon, uh, just the way the kind of the day went. I had to clean up some stuff and then went out and got it. And I got it with, with like rebates and gift cards. So it's not like it was a huge uh, expense. But the the prospect of renting it and being on a timetable at, at $48 a day, which which isn't a lot, except I know my schedule, like, I can work from 4.30 to 5.30 and then from 6 to about 7.30 and, and see where that takes me. But like day one, I got the threshold made and then the first couple rows and it like hits a closet. And that was like, 
I couldn't, I, I was done for the night. Then the next day I got a few hours, I got a couple rows, but I soon was going backwards inside a closet. So that took the rest of the night to, to kind of reverse the order. Cause I entered into a closet perpendicular or parallel with the door, which is a pain in the ass kind of way to do that. Um, cause you've got to start from the back and work your way forward again and toenail a few of them or not toenail, mm-hmm. but face nail, face nail a few of them just because you can't physically get them in any better than that. Um, so now I'm just, I'm I'm working through it. And up until today, it was all going pretty well until I, uh, I, I'm cutting around a floor vent and I had nailed, I'd forgotten that I had nailed pieces, uh, the pieces leading up to that point across the room. And so then I, I nailed that piece in and I went back thinking I had just sized them in place, waiting to nail them in until I got that cut made. And I, in the process, I was double nailing essentially. And I went through two of the almost identical nail spots mm-hmm. and those, those nails curled up and came mm-hmm. through the top. So Ooh. those boards are toast mm-hmm. as is the one I cut the vent around because the factory edges, now they, grooved together and stuff so oh well minor so how mistake much floor do you have left um probably less than five feet by 14 feet so 50 some square feet left is that right yeah 50 60 some square feet okay. Not nothing too much but um it it should go quickly. Basically, I didn't like clear the room out before I did it. So there's a, a process. I I started at the doorway and I I'm, I'm moving forward, and I could lay down a few courses. I I cleaned up enough so I could do my underlayment, lay down a few courses, and then I had to unbox a of of two boxes of of planks, get them on the floor I just installed, and move more stuff to the other end so I could put down the second row of underlayment and go and i've done that now three times so why not just empty the room because i have a small house and there's nowhere to put the crap that i've got (laughs) it's 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 that or i mean you know i I will empty it out as i go but it's just right now the room adjoining this room is half full with crap tools that i'm using you know uh saw horses that are just collapsed at this point because i'll need them again when i paint the trim before i put the baseboard on and i mean there's it's all like staging so, so pain in the butt. So, so here's a pro tip: after you use your flooring na- uh, nailer, yes, um, be really careful as to where you're going to be cutting mortises into the floors with your domino. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've I've heard bad things can happen. Yeah, I would say um, if I you're going to do anything in the floor, just put rabbits yeah. in. I will I will tell you if have you ever this is the first time I've used a, a flooring nailer. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cleat nails that they use, yeah, oh, they're they're righteous. Those are serious, like holy crap, and uh, I mean they're basically like cut nails, kind of in shape, where they're thinner but and tapered in the other direction, um, and but then they have a hook on the end, which is basically they're like half a staple, so they can ride on the rail and the nail gun, yeah. Um, so it's not like a head proper, um, and the gun does a fantastic job of setting them in, but I've had a couple. I don't know if it was I didn't quite smack it hard enough. Or it was just a hard section in in the flooring that it that it hit and it didn't want to go all the way in. I, I could have hit a screw underneath. I don't know. I mean, there's I'm going on top of subfloor, but um, to to try to break those off because there's no way I can nail them down. Um, they're a royal pain in the butt. They're they're serious business. So yeah, if I ever 
Do you have a pneumatic? Uh, yeah, it's, pneumatic. it's it's pneumatic. Yeah. Yep. Are many it's of them a, not seating properly? No, no, no. It's it's uh, I over the the half the room I've done. I think I've had four that haven't gone all the way in. So I'm assuming I'm okay. hitting screws. Yeah. Um, that's more logical than anything. And the only ones that have turned around and and come back up at me uh, were because they were hitting a, another toenail beneath it that I mistakenly was nailing twice, which is a <laughs> stupid-ass mistake. But I was glad that I just getting a pry bar on those, I was actually able to just yank those boards out. And I was thinking, like, holy crap, as much these are now, like, engaged on all sides except the front. And toenails in on nails that are incredibly hard to move, and they're sunk pretty well into the tongue in the flooring. So I was like, "What can I do?" And I just I was kind of pissed, so I just took a took a crow or a, you know just a, a pry bar and and hammered it under and leaned it up, and I I felt the nails kind of give a little bit. So I just walked down the board, and I ended up once one came out, then the others came out pretty well. So eh, live and learn. Hmm. That's uh, another first time thing that I have yet to uh, have ever done is uh, install wood flooring. So, yeah, it's a good lesson to, to learn. It is. It is. And uh, another, I think, pro tip on if you buy a tool that you have very little use for is make it widely available for other people to use or sell it very quickly when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I, I've decided what I'm going to do yet. Having put in four wood floors myself. Mm hmm. I would recommend that you do what you have to do in your schedule to carve out one full day, rent the machine at seven o'clock in the morning and return it at the end of the day. Because if you yeah. force the issue, you can easily do a room. It, 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 from what I understand, your room's a little complicated for the size, but it's still not that big. Um, no. I've done big rooms. I've done small, complicated rooms. I've always been able to finish it in a day if that's all I'm doing. I've never tried to do a floor in little bits and pieces like you're doing. I can absolutely understand why it's taking multiple days. Yeah. But you rent the machine for 30 bucks for the day and then you hand it back when you're done. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my, my wife actually said tonight, like, Oh, it's looking good. But could you imagine had we had to rent this? And I said, if I would have done it, it would have been a full weekend and I would have started Saturday early. Like I know I would have done that, but it was just the realization that that wasn't going to happen uh, mm -hmm. this weekend. And I didn't want to wait till the following weekend. Like I'll have this done by this weekend. Right. Um, again, I'm, I mean, I, you know, I've got a few more days, but yesterday was a wash because we had other stuff going on. It's just stuff like that gets yeah. in the way. It's those damn podcasts yeah. you can't be putting in flooring. <laughs> well, on that too, like I could, no, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. I, I made that mistake right before and my, I like my wife heard me, you know, getting a little upset and, and she came in she goes, oh, break time. <laughs> I, went, I went, no, I want to, she goes, it's 8.20, stop. Okay. <laughs> All right. Otherwise, I, uh, the kids are sleeping. Otherwise, I, yeah, I would be still be going. Anyway. So how's your floor, Wilbur? Um, <laughs> my floor is good. Um, uh, yep, all the boards are in place, so that's, that, that, that's, uh, <sighs> that's a win. You lucky dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, uh, <laughs> so what do you got going on in your shop, though? Um, is, actually, um, uh, tonight I was trying to... Um, uh, figure out how to make a really quick little project. So my younger son, um, uh, uh, 
uh, I, I guess they're studying levers in, in, in school. He's in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And because he's been walking around talking about first-class levers and second-class levers and fulcrums and all that stuff. All right. um, so, so he's really into it. Uh, but apparently um, he ha- is involved in a project for school where they're going to design a board game about levers. I can only imagine <laughs> how fun this is going to be. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. But uh, uh, but I also learned that uh, he has a lot of faith and confidence in me because apparently he told the other kids in his group uh, that, you know, it's a board game. And I, uh, I, I don't know all the details of the game, but assu- I'm assuming that there's a start and then everybody has their own piece and then they march the pieces down the track and you have to, um, you know, uh, spin a wheel to um, uh, determine how many spaces that you go. Mm-hmm. And he apparently said something to the order of, oh, yeah, we can have a spinning wheel because the um, uh, the other option would be dice, which would be the more uh, regular thing to do. But mm-hmm. he said, oh, yeah, we can have a spinning wheel because my dad can make one. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes up to me and says, uh, I told the kids that uh, um, that you can make a, a, a wheel spinner for, for our game. Can you do that? And I said, um, sure. <laughs> yeah, so. Right. So uh, uh, so t- tonight was the first, uh, and then I asked him when when do you need it by, and he said tomorrow, and I said oh, of course, how about Friday? And he goes yeah, we can get it done Friday. So um, so I was trying to figure out how to um, uh, how to make this work, and and, and this is what I want um, uh, what, what I'm uh, doing. Uh, I basically cut out um, uh, uh, two squares um, uh, two squares of uh, eight quarter white oaks, you know, that I had lying lying around, and then. Um, my plan is to turn one of the pieces into um, a, into a uh, round top piece, um, okay. and I'm going to hollow out the middle of it so that the the uh, thickness around the edges are still there, but the middle part's hollowed out. So it'll uh, give it sort of a flywheel um, uh, function, and that way, if it spins, it'll spin good. Um, and then I'll and then I drilled a um, uh, drilled a little hole on the underside of that uh, of that lid. And I, I just finished that before uh, we you know, we started recording. Hmm. Um, and then the bottom piece, I'm going to cut. Um, I'm going to put that on the lathe and turn it down to a size where it fits into the recess of the oh okay top piece. Um, and then the uh, hole that I drilled is, is about five sixteenths. Um, and then I'm just going to uh, uh, drill a hole in the bottom there, and I'll stick a quarter inch dowel in that, and then the top lid will hover on that and then it, hopefully it'll spin good. And then it's just a matter of uh, gluing a knob on the top piece. So uh, the kids have something to grab onto when they spin it. That sounds pretty then, cool. Yeah. And then yeah. the deck, the decorations I'm going to leave up to the kids. So hmm. um, I'll just mark, uh, uh, I said, how many numbers do you need on this? He goes, uh, maybe six, maybe 10. <laughs> and I said, how about eight? Because dividing the thing into eight segments is going to be a lot easier than 10. Yeah. A yep. little bit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that's what I was doing tonight. That's Interesting. cool. And that is that's pretty cool. Yeah. I would think that the critical part is that the top spinning wheel is properly balanced, but the fact that you're putting it on the lathe means it's going to be perfectly symmetrical. So it mm-hmm. should be balance should not be an issue. Um, put it this way: it will be balanced enough for a fifth grade board game project. Ah, about <laughs> levers. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing that also helped is that, um, I used a brad point for uh, drilling the five sixteenth hole on the underside of the lid. And because the, the, the center point, there's a little point there. And, uh, uh, when I glue the, um, uh, quarter inch, um, 
uh, dowel into the bottom piece. I'm going to sharpen the top like a pencil. So okay. hopefully that'll fit right into that little hole and, and that'll help keep it uh, balanced as well. We'll see how this works. <laughs> it's the plan sounds good. Yeah. Execution. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh, excellent. Yeah. So, uh, Diami. Yes, Sean. What did you find out? In episode 159, uh, we were talking about – somehow we went on a tangent about shop lighting and portable mm-hmm. lights. Mm-hmm. And I was discussing the Utilitech portable light setup that I have that was relatively cheap. It was like 60 maybe 70 bucks, but it wasn't the the 2 and 3 and $400 that the Milwaukee ones are. Uh, mine is smaller and plugs in. It does not have batteries, but we were discussing you know, working in the, uh, in the driveway and – the battery is not an unneeded expense if I'm going to just work in the driveway. And I had said that it was from Home Depot and kind of stumbled across what it was. And uh, Pat Donovan heard and was nice enough to actually look it up and tweet me that it's actually the Utilitech Pro LED stand work light. And it's at Lowe's, not Home Depot. I had mistaken my big box store. Um, so you can check it out at Lowe's and I would I would recommend – if you need a light that you can drag out like into your shop, um, definitely uh, it's it's well worth getting. And clearly, I don't remember anything because I just clicked mm-hmm. on the link, and it's it's eighty bucks, not sixty or seventy, but still, still, it's thirty three hundred lumens, um, and it has an eight foot cord, and it's nice and portable, and um, and it, you know it's a very good light for the money. And in my research at the big box stores, and really not much further than that. It's it's I think the best light for the money. It's it's very portable and it's bright. And I want to thank Pat for identifying the correct light with a nice link. And we'll have that in the show notes, which we're recording this in November, so the show notes will post in like February. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just in time for tax day sales or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Uh, um, hey, I've post, no, yeah. I've I've post published three show notes in the last like two weeks, which is more than I did in the past five months. There you go. See progress. Yeah, progress. Yeah. The uh, I in talking with it, I didn't have a clear understanding because you said it was like really compact, and I now I get it the, the way that thing, the two light sections like fold together to yeah. be smaller, and then they spread apart and flip down so you can actually use them as light. It's it's really a, a cool design. Yeah, and it's it's not you know it's not as rugged as say the Milwaukee battery powered ones are that you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's rugged enough. I've probably had it for over a year now, and when you need it, it's the perfect thing to just pull out in the driveway and do it. And I've actually found a good use for it. I've brought it inside for spackling because you can set it up as a nice raking light across the surface you're working on also. That's just been like a little bit of an added bonus. So for the 80 bucks, if you need a portable light rig, I think it's probably well worth it. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, and I just... uh. Maybe put that on my late Christmas list. We'll see. Now, Wilbur, we brought you on not to talk about dominoes as much as I, I'm happy to do that um, or to talk about portable shop lights. But apparently you have a book about medieval English woodworking tools. No, a video about Japanese woodworking tools. Uh, uh, Yami. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So you got – you got tools right. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> One out of many words, correct? Um, yeah. So that's um that's done through through pop wood, right? 
Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that was a lot of fun. We filmed it um, back in August, and it got released a little uh, about a month ago or so um, now. So, yeah. Pretty neat. Well, do uh, tell us you... about, the, uh, about, about the video. Where, you, am I correct that you got to shoot it in, um, in a shop a little fancier than yours? Oh, yeah. Well, well, most shops are fancier than mine, so <laughs> that's not saying much. Um, but uh, yeah, when when, um, uh, when David Teal at Popular Woodworking and I were talking about this idea, um, one of the uh, things that uh, we were trying to figure out was where to shoot it. Um, and the first option um, that he brought up was um, uh, uh, them having me come out to Cincinnati to um, uh, film it at their, uh, at their space. Um, uh, and, and the advantage of that would have been, of course, that, uh, you know, they're very familiar with the space and um, uh, have done lots of uh, really good videos there. So um, it would be pretty smooth from that end. But uh, what I didn't know was how I was going to get the tools out there um, because uh, and driving myself would have been a little bit um, uh, too long with the time frame that we were, Oh, uh, that, that uh, we had intended on working with, and I have never tried flying with my tools before, and I really didn't want to make this one the the first. <laughs> yeah, you go down there to shoot a video, and your tools show up a day late. Yeah, right, right, um, or not uh, at all. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and and I was, um, you know, uh, and when I was making up the list of what I would have had to travel with, it, it was going to be a really pretty big um, uh, list. Um, the, the 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 structure was. Um, uh, four videos all uh, all together. Um, one on Japanese saws, one on Japanese chisels, one on Japanese planes, and uh, a fourth one, which was sort of covering aspects of Japanese tools that didn't fit neatly within a tool um, uh, video. And I know you can uh, get them all in one package, or if you want to download them separately, you can uh, do it that way. But because of the broad nature of this um, set of videos, I would have pretty much um, wanted to clean out my shop in terms of um, uh, bring bringing tools along. Um, so then option two was, um, uh, they said, well, maybe we can send out a, a crew to your shop. And then I sent David a photo of my shop and he, <laughs> and, and, and his reply was, wow, you're making really good use of that space. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, but, uh, you know, since he knew, um, uh, and since he knew, uh, Frank Klaus, um, and they had shot uh, videos at, uh, at his shop, uh, there, you know, with, uh, with him as the, uh, um, uh, presenter, um, they reached out to Frank and Frank was gracious enough to, um, let us use his shop as, as a studio. Um, and it is a gorgeous space. Um, I, I don't know how much you, you guys know about, um, his shop setup, but, um, but basically, um, the house that he, um, has, um, the back part of the property includes a building that used to be a water retention tank. So it's round because, Ooh. you know, those are the uh, sorts of, um, you know, structures that you use to hold, uh, hold water in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he rebuilt the roof. Um, so the, so the roof, if you can imagine this, um, is sort of, uh, sort of this round thing, uh, thing that comes up to a near point at the, uh, at the top. Okay. Is it, is um, it steep? Um, it's not super steep. Um, and, and there's some skylights in, in, in the roof as well. Uh, so the lighting on the inside is really, is really nice. And then, uh, the, the floor is wooden and he, uh, put wood paneling around, uh, the perimeter of the, uh, uh, of the shop. And it's a really gorgeous, um, gorgeous place. Um, let's see. Interestingly, Frank actually doesn't have, uh, 
a huge amount of power tools in, in, in the shop. So coming in on one side of the circle, uh, the front maybe third um, is uh, uh, somewhat like a reception area where you have like couches and a coffee table where you can just sort of sit down and relax. Um, and then uh, on the left side is another area where you just put down a couch and stuff. And then <laughs> in the middle, there's guests? or does it uh, just well, like to relax? Know. Well, maybe both. Um, I mean, it, it's uh, I, I can I can see them just u- uh, using the uh, shop as a place for uh, a party if they had a lot of people that they couldn't comfortably fit into their in, into their house. Okay. Um, so um, so then in the in the middle of the area there's a big workbench you know one that he you know, that he had built and then towards the back end is another workbench and then along the back wall is where he uh, stores uh, all, um, uh, m- most of his hand tool stuff and so the power equipment is over on the right side of the sh- uh, of the shop but it's uh, really not occupying a whole lot of space and just judging from how it looked it uh, you know uh, it uh, seems to serve a lot of uh, storage um, but, uh, it, it was, really nice. And, um, uh, Frank actually asked me, um, if he wanted, if I wanted him to take out all of the stuff in the background because he thought I would be insulted or something if there were Western tools when I was <laughs> in the background, when I was shooting a, a video on Japanese tools. And I said, no, no, leave it uh, that way. Because, um, part of the thing that I was trying to get across, um, that, that, that I, that I always like to try to get across, but especially in this video is the idea that, you don't have to go all in with Japanese tools to use them in uh, comfortably in your shop. And uh, one of the things that I had, uh, talked about with um, uh, David who were uh, hashing out this idea um, was that my assumption is that the guy, uh, the, the person that's going to be watching the video is your average hobbyist woodworker who has a table saw and a planer and a, a jointer and um, a, a drill press and some sort of workbench. Of course, they're going to be using, you know, hand, uh, hand tools, but not like, um, uh, 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 not, not like Shannon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Put it that way. laughs> um, um, and, and, and because of that, I wanted to make it accessible. Um, and I thought having a background that looked like an, uh, your typical, you know, shop in terms of the, you know, tools, not, not that, um, uh, I, I can't believe I just referred to Frank. Yeah. Lester's I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, uh, but having a, uh, a background that looked, you know, familiar, um, to any woodworker, uh, would go a long way towards, you know, sending that sort of, um, sending that sort of message. Okay. Sure. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, so I've um I've had the pleasure of sitting into, um, one of your talks at WIA. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but the, that was more on the 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 one I attended. I think was the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not not it. I guess it didn't go depth it, it too far into depth on in how to use. Um, it was more of the. You know the development and in kind of like you know the lineage and, and it was a, excellent speaker. Don't put yourself down like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you know how how detailed are you going? Is this is is this? And I I, I apologize that I haven't been able to see these videos yet. But um, are, did you progress from the very basic to chisel work to to then your planes and saws? Because I know you know you do them backwards compared to us Westerners, um, um, did you have projects that you were working on or was it purely technique based? What is, what is the focus of these? Yeah. So, um, so the two things I tried to hit uh, in each of the tool videos was 
what the tools were about and how to use them and then how to incorporate them into your shop, you know, if you were um, interested in doing that. Uh, and again, my, my assumption is that you're not necessarily going to be wanting to work on the floor or anything like that or sitting down, but, you know, at a workbench like, um, you know, but like uh, your, your typical woodworker would be doing. Um, so, for example, in the chisel video, um, I, um, most of it is about um, how the chisel is put together you know, what makes Japanese chisels unique, um, how to set one up, uh, because um, in terms of, like, um, dealing with sharpening and when you sharpen, how do you deal with the hollow on the backside and how do you set the hoop when you first get the, um, uh, when, you, when you first get the uh, chisel. Um, and then um, I, I do a little bit of, you know, technique demonstration, uh, primarily chopping a mortise and, and doing some, uh, uh, I, th- I think I did some pairing um, uh, too, but those were the, uh, I figured that was the main thing, um, uh, for, for the chisel video that I could demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Um, now that now in terms of actual use, using a Japanese chisel really isn't that different from using a Western chisel, except you don't have to sharpen nearly as often. Um, so, uh, <laughs> nice. um, yeah. Um, uh, but in the saw video, um, you know, I, I talk about the various types of saws and, uh, and what makes the saw, um, uh, how, how the saws work, how the tooth shape, uh, contributes to the function of the saw, where the differences are between a Western saw and a, uh, a Japanese, um, saw. But in terms of the demonstration, I, uh, proceed to do a, a variety of cuts and, uh, really focusing on how I set up for the cut, because, um, what I found in talking to people and watching people use Japanese, um, uh, saws, if they're having trouble, it's generally not the saw and it's generally, um, uh, not you know, the person's actual ability to use a saw. Um, what it is is that um, I don't think that um, what, what always seems to happen is that uh, the workpiece is not really set up in an optimal way, you know, for uh, for someone to use a Japanese saw. And because, um, for, for example, uh, with dovetailing, um, if you... Uh, um, you know, if you cut your pins board, uh, you generally mount it up in a uh, in your face vise, and then you uh, use whichever saw you want to do to uh, cut across the top to uh, make the pins. Um, and uh, and I do the same thing when I'm uh, cutting pins uh, with a Japanese saw. But the difference is, if you're using a Western saw, you tend to pop the board up higher um, mm-hmm. and closer to your uh, closer to your uh, to your uh, face. With a Japanese saw, it actually works out a lot better if you mount the board lower so that you're looking down at the top of, of the um, uh, of the board. And that's because the geometry of the saw, it's just better if you're you know, going you know, looking at it from the top rather than keeping it up around eye level. Um, and so I, so I demonstrate, you know, uh, that, that sort of thing with the uh, saw, with the saw video um, in the plane video, uh, there's more, um, uh, more time devoted to setting up the plane because that actually is a, um, somewhat involved process and, and I just need the time to take uh, care of it. But in terms of uh, um, uh, using the plane, um, uh, you know, once, once you understand how to position your body to pull the plane, um, uh, once you know how to pull one Japanese plane, you know how to pull, uh, pull them all. Hmm. Um, yeah. The, the, the fourth video is where I put all the geek stuff. Um, and that's probably, um, uh, Sean, just from your description, I think that's a talk that you, uh, saw me, saw me do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it was, and, and, and that's how I actually arranged my talks for the last time I did uh, woodwork in America. Cause, if, uh, cause the talks I had done before was like your, ch- your friend, the Japanese plane, your friend, the Japanese chisel, your friend, the Japanese saw. Um, and it was sort of a mixture of the geek stuff and the practical stuff. And for the last, um, uh, the last time I, um, gave talks at, uh, at WIA, 
um, I rearranged the material so that there is one talk that was all practical, um, no esoterica at all, and a second talk for all the uh, all the tool uh, geeks where I get into the metallurgy and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and um, and I found that to actually work a little bit better. I thought um, so. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, um, so and and I had the same sort of approach in the videos where the tool videos were going to be very practical, very you know basic. This is how you can do things, and these are your alternatives if you don't like this method of uh, doing doing this. But uh, all all the um, uh, uh, metallurgy trivia went in the into the fourth video. While we hadn't anticipated recording a two-part episode with Wilbur, we had so much to discuss regarding the history and use of Japanese tools that we felt it appropriate to break it up into two episodes. We hope you've enjoyed it so far, and we look forward to your joining us for part two with Wilbur Pan.